section six of the three lieutenants this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. the three lieutenants by william henry giles kingston chapter five granada fall in with the tudor murray's first meeting with stella master spider introduced to mr scrofton arrival at antigua scenery and adventures on shore alec murray in love a boat excursion a capsize a long swim anxiety on board a search the missing ones found early the next morning the frigate made that lovely gem of the ocean granada and just as the fortifications crowning richmond heights came in view and the slopes of the surrounding hills covered with orange groves and palm trees plantations and fields amid which sparkling streams rushed downward to the sea a ship was seen standing out of the harbour she was at once known by her number to be the tudor the frigate was immediately hove to and the corvette having approached imitated her example a boat was forthwith lowered from the ladder and alec murray accompanied by archie gordon came on board the plantagenet alec having delivered the dispatches of which he was the bearer to the captain was warmly greeted by his old friends whom he accompanied into the gun-room while archie was hurried down into the midshipmen's berth both parties were eager to hear each other's adventures the corvette had been detained longer than was expected at madeira and had been three days in the magnificent harbour of granada oh it's a braw place there's ne'er doot about that said archie they say it's just like italy and if so italy must be a beautiful country hills and dales covered with plantations sick fruits and flowers and a plenty of scotsmen it is only one fault there are no ladies unless they call the black lassies who gang wear blue silk parasols and na shoes to their feet so archie's description of the island made all hands eager to visit it and much disappointment was felt when the sails were filled and in company with the tudor a course was steered for st vincent stella had been on deck watching the approaching corvette and she could not help remarking the young and handsome lieutenant who came from her on board the frigate alec was not introduced but he stood for some time talking to captain hemming not far off and occasionally his eyes glanced towards her lovely countenance while he wondered who she could be it was one of the first questions he put when he reached the gun-room every one had plenty to say about her and her father he did not express his own opinion had he admired her less he might have done so alec murray returned on board the corvette with the image of stella impressed on his heart like a wise man he tried to banish it but go it would not again and again that sweet countenance rose up before him and he longed for an opportunity of meeting her again of hearing her voice of ascertaining her opinions of learning her history 
The ships visited St. Vincent, St. Lucia, Dominica, and other islands in succession, the one vying with the other in beauty, though the palm was given to the few first seen. As to the blacks, they all appeared sufficiently quiet, so that only two or three days were spent at each island the midshipmen had not forgotten their object in purchasing spider and every day they had him into their berth to give him instructions in polite knowledge as they took care to tell mr scrofton with all the pains they took however he made no perceptible progress though he had no objection to eat the nuts and fruits offered him provided they were ripe and sweet or to sit with a stick in his paws and shoulder it at the word of command still he infinitely preferred frolicking about on deck or swinging by his tail to a horizontal spar slung for his accommodation he appeared altogether perfectly reconciled to his lot except when the ship was in harbour when he would go aloft and sit on the main truck gazing towards the green trees while he chattered away evidently as gerald said meditating on the pleasures of his youth spent amid his native forests at last one day the midshipman conducted spider in due form dressed in a coat and trousers with a tarpaulin hat they had manufactured for him to the boatswain's cabin we have done our best mr scrofton to bring up this monkey in the way he should go in order to become a civilised being said tom with perfect gravity notwithstanding all our pains he doesn't know a from z and though we have tried to make him understand how to light the lamp he can no more use the matches than at first and puts them in his mouth or throws them away if given to him and when it has been lighted he pokes his paws into the flame to see what the curious red thing is just sprung out of the wick i don't expect that you ever will teach him young gentlemen answered the boatswain seriously it would take centuries to produce the change after many generations of domestic life that long tail of his having become useless would disappear and his hinder paws would take the form of human feet his forehead would expand his arms would become shorter his body stouter till at length all outward trace of his monkey origin would be lost that's what my books say and i believe them very good i won't dispute the point said tom but i want to know boxy the first monkeys who turned into men got their education by which the change was produced as long as they had got their tails they never would have thought of leaving their native forests so well suited to them i haven't quite arrived at that part of the subject answered the boatswain but i'll consult my books and tell you suppose we teach him seamanship how long do you think it will be before he's fit to be boatswain of a ten-gun brig mr scrofton asked gerald in the most innocent tone he could assume just then some one gave master spider a sly pinch 
on the tail, which made him grin and chatter, and of course set all the midshipmen laughing. Mr. Scrofton, not perceiving the cause, thought that they were laughing at him, and casting an angry glance from his ferrety eyes at Gerald, he answered, I'll tell you what, young gentlemen, it would be, in my opinion, about the same time that it would take to fit you for the post, unless you mend your manners. The boatswain, even of a ten-gun brig, must be a man of character, and no jackanapes can ever become one and the boatswain of a frigate you'll understand is not to be sneered at with impunity that's the very point at issue exclaimed tom clapping his hands and in no ways daunted by the boatswain's anger you acknowledge then that a monkey never can become a boatswain and that lord monboddo is altogether in the wrong i don't acknowledge anything of the sort because i know nothing about the matter answered the boatswain not intending to say what he did but let me inform you if you bring that monkey of yours here again to mock me i shall be compelled to take measures for putting a stop to such audacious proceedings the midshipmen fearing from the vengeful look mr scrofton cast at poor spider that their pet's life was in danger endeavoured to calm his anger by assuring him that they had no intention of being disrespectful and that they begged that he would retain his own opinion notwithstanding anything they had said on the subject they had a hearty laugh when they got back to the berth fully resolved to bait the boatswain again on the first opportunity at length the two ships lay snugly moored off the royal dockyard english harbour in the island of antigua the prettiest of all pretty harbours their arrival caused no small commotion among the inhabitants especially of the softer sex when it was known that they were to remain some time and that a ball was to be given to the officers at government house colonel o'regan and his daughter went on shore to stay with their friends mr and mrs houghton who had a pretty cottage residence in the neighbourhood a deputation came soon afterwards to invite them to the ball at first stella was disposed to decline the honour as it involved a drive of eleven miles across the island to st john's the capital but lieutenant murray who happened to be calling at the house adding his solicitations she accepted the invitation the colonel was much disconcerted by the delay he had expected to be at jamaica some time before where as he told captain hemming he intended to leave his daughter with some friends while he made an excursion to the spanish main the object he had in view he did not explain as there was no help for it he was obliged to submit and the captain assured him that after leaving antigua his intention was to proceed direct to jamaica antigua although not so lovely as other islands to the south possesses a beauty of its own and several trips to enjoy its scenery were made by the officers into the interior on two occasions alick and jack accompanied stella and her father 
while jack took charge of the colonel alick rode by stella's side each time he met her the more he was attracted and yet he could not say that she gave him any encouragement she was interested in his conversation for he was better informed and talked better than his brother officers but had she discovered his devoted admiration they reached a spot near the coast almost on the summit of one of the lofty cliffs which form ramparts in most parts around the island and from whence the ground slopes inwards in gradual declivities towards the green and grassy centre the whole island which is of a rough circular form lay in sight a line of fortifications crowned an opposite height overlooking the sea on one side and a wide extent of country consisting of undulating downs and verdant fields in which countless cattle were feeding with the numerous houses of the planters embosomed in trees on the other in the northwest the town of st john's was clearly seen while here and there some of the many deep creeks and bays which indent the coastline could be distinguished running far inland several swelling into estuaries and others forming commodious harbors isles and islets of all shapes and sizes lay scattered off the shore and far away towards the west the islands of guadeloupe montserrat nevis and st kitts rose out of the blue ocean what a perfect arcadian scene said alick as he and his companion gazed over the smiling landscape and the arcadians are kept in proper order by yonder frowning batteries remarked stella pointing to the line of fortifications until free and enlightened governments are established throughout the globe we cannot hope to find a true arcadia how many a lovely region such as that now spread out before us has suddenly become the scene of rapine and bloodshed but those batteries are intended to defend not to overawe the inhabitants and wherever the glorious flag of england waves there at all events we may hope to find true liberty and peace answered alick i would then that the flag of england were waving now over the whole world said stella with an involuntary sigh i long for peace and rest but since those who have their power are supine or indifferent to the sufferings of their fellow-creatures it must be left to individuals to attempt the task of redressing the wronged and restoring freedom to the oppressed alick was puzzled what to answer he guessed that stella was alluding to her father's schemes for regenerating the world as far as he understood them from the few remarks the colonel had let drop they were he considered utterly hopeless but he could not tell stella so one thing however he discovered that though her enthusiasm and love for her father had made her warmly enter into his views she was a true woman at heart and as really feminine as he could desire alick changed the subject and soon interested her with a description of his highland home and the western islands of scotland he fancied as they rode back that her manner had become softer when she addressed him than at first and that she listened more willingly to him 
than to any of the other officers at all events he enjoyed a happiness in her company he had never before known though he could not at times forget that in a few days they must be parted and that the chances of meeting again were very small english harbour is not so much liked by midshipmen as by gun-room officers and captains the former having shorter leave and smaller purses not being able to get away so often to amuse themselves in the capital on the other side of the island as their superiors mr houghton a friend of colonel o'regan had come on board to take luncheon with the midshipmen as had alec gordon i vote we take a cruise this afternoon exclaimed tom mr houghton you were saying that you wished to go down to falmouth harbour and mr cherry will i dare say lend us the pinnace it is only about two miles to leeward and we can beat back again in time to land you for your dinner hour mr houghton accepted the invitation tom forthwith went to the first lieutenant with whom he was a favourite to ask for the boat you may have her youngster was the answer but keep a lookout for squalls they are apt to come off the shore without warning and you may be capsized in a moment if you are not on your guard thank you sir we will take great care answered tom returning to the berth to report the success of his mission mr jennings the lieutenant of marines hearing that they were going begged to accompany them desmond archy and norris mctavish the assistant surgeon and the captain's clerk made up the party with two men to look after the boat while they were on shore the wind was light the sea smooth and with all sails set before the breeze they ran down the coast in a short time they arrived at their destination and as the weather was hot and they had not much time to spare they amused themselves on the beach while mr houghton went up to pay his visit he was not long absent and on his return they at once shoved off and stood to the southward hoping to find more wind at a distance from the shore they were a merry party and as usual stories were told and songs sung they had made several tacks but as yet had got not more than half way back to the ship we will go about again said norris who was at the helm at all events in shore we shall feel less of the current which drifts us to leeward almost as fast as we beat to windward the boat was put about and once more headed in towards the land which was about two miles distant now mctavish give us one of your scotch songs exclaimed lieutenant jennings the laird of cockpen or something of that sort mctavish who though he had not much of a voice contrived to make his songs popular by the humour he threw into his tone had sung about a stave or so and norris and the rest of the party with laughing countenances while listening to his song forgot mr cherry's caution the boat had been gliding smoothly on when suddenly over she heeled norris putting down the helm shouted out let go the halyards but before a hand could reach the cleats her gunwale was under water 
we are going over cried norris up to windward all of you saying this he sprang to the weather side and the rest followed his example though they could not right her yet she went over so slowly that they all had time to scramble up on her side before her canvas touched the water the sails being flattened aft assisted to support her and prevent her from going right over for the first moment all believed that she would sink and leave them alone on the surface fortunately however her ballast consisted of breakers of water which not being secured floated out come at all events we have something to hold on to said tom and now we must try and right the boat who has got a knife every person felt in his pockets but no knife could be found the seamen strange to say had come away without theirs they and the midshipmen attempted to cast off the sheets but the side of the boat to which they were made fast being under water could not be reached for some time no one spoke at the distance they were from the ship they could not hope to have been seen is there no chance of our drifting on shore asked norris at length i am afraid not answered mr houghton the current sets away from the land and we shall be carried farther and farther from it they looked anxiously around for a sail on the chance that she might pass near them not one was to be seen standing towards the land again a desperate attempt was made to right the boat if we had but a knife we could do it cried tom i will never again step into a boat without one we shall be fortunate if we have the opportunity observed mctavish there is but little chance of our being picked up and as to any of us reaching the shore that seems impossible no answer was made to his remark the squall which had capsized the boat was succeeded by others the weather was evidently changing for the worse and the boat drifting farther and farther from the land their prospects were dreary in the extreme indeed almost hopeless the gunwale of the boat on which they were seated was only six inches out of the water so that should a sea get up they might all quickly be washed away norris felt very unhappy as he had been at the helm i hope that you fellows will forgive me he said i little expected the boat to capsize so suddenly though i ought to have kept a better lookout don't talk about it answered tom it was as much our fault as yours we have each of us much to ask forgiveness for if we were to count up old scores mr jennings i hope you will forgive me for capsizing you in the gale when we were coming out from england of course youngster he answered gravely i have not thought about it since thank you sir said tom as if his mind had been relieved of a burden i hope old scrofton won't be thinking about the tricks we have played him i was just after thinking that i wish he may not ill-treat spider cried desmond i don't know what the poor baste will do without us what we have to do is to forgive all others from the bottom of our hearts remarked archy we need not trouble ourselves what they will think or say of us archy who was a true christian made several other fitting remarks clearly pointing out to his companions the only way by which they could be prepared for the new existence into which there seemed every probability they would soon have to enter 
it's a grievous thought my friends that we do not all so live that we may be fit at any moment to die he observed calmly few of those present failed to agree with him and for the time at all events to wish that they were as well prepared as he appeared to be again they were all silent for some minutes something must be done exclaimed tom who had been thinking over the matter and in his own mind had resolved what to do it's too far for any of us to swim to shore observed mr jennings i would try it but i never could keep afloat five minutes together i too am a miserable swimmer sighed mr houghton besides which the sharks would take good care not to allow one of us to reach the shore he added in a whisper neither of the seamen could swim and mctavish the only other grown man of the party had had very little practice either well then exclaimed tom i will try it my brother jack swam on shore when the racer was wrecked in the mediterranean and was the means of saving the lives of many of the people i am not a much worse swimmer than he was then i feel sure that i could do it if i had a companion it's a long way to go alone through the silent water faith i would go with you cried desmond but i am afraid that i should keep you back rather than help you forward archy gordon who had sat silent during the discussion suddenly exclaimed i am not so good a swimmer as you are tom but i see no other way of saving our lives and if i go down i shall at all events be doing my duty thank you archy said tom i accept your offer and will do my best to help you along had any other means offered the rest of the party would not have allowed the young midshipmen to run so fearful a hazard of their lives mr houghton especially knew well the danger they would encounter from the sharks but he said nothing to damp their courage archy at once began to get ready taking off his shoes and jacket he gave them to mctavish and begged him to preserve them for him tom followed his example though not indeed with the same careful spirit as his friend he threw his jacket and shoes into the water they both kept on their socks which were providentially coloured as well as the rest of their clothes good-bye old fellows said tom we must lose no more time and he and archy shook hands with all around now archy we will start and strike out bravely tom suiting the action to the word slipped into the water archy did the same on they went keeping alongside each other archy found that he could swim better than he had expected and he and tom cheered up each other i wish gerald had been with us said tom our chances of escape are better than those on the wreck now and then they turned on their backs resting for a little striking out however with their arms and legs so that they still made headway tom under his brother's instructions had become a first-rate swimmer and for his age was wonderfully muscular so that he was able to go on steadily without feeling exhausted archy though taller and bigger from having had less practice more quickly began to feel fatigued the shore seemed a long way off still they had already they saw not a considerable distance from the boat for they could scarcely distinguish her as she floated just above the surface 
tom thought that they must be a mile from the shore again they threw themselves on their backs pushing on with their feet and keeping their arms moving round and round when tom looked back he could no longer see the boat he did not however tell archy of this he could not help fearing that she had sunk are you rested archy he asked yes was the answer though not in quite so confident a tone as tom would have liked well then on we go again said tom and they swam steadily forward as before scarcely a minute after this as tom cast his eye on one side what was his horror to observe the fin and back of a huge shark scarcely more than a fathom from him the monster shot by i only hope it is steering a different course to ours thought tom just then he caught sight of the wicked eye of another at the same distance following in the wake of the first he did not tell archy what he had seen for fear of unnerving him while he kept striking out with might and main letting his feet rise higher than he would otherwise have done for the sake of creating a splash and shouting as he swam on strike away archy bravo we are getting on famously archy in the meantime was doing his best though his legs and arms began to ache still he resolved as long as his strength would hold out to persevere at length he felt that he could do no more go on tom said he faintly make the best of your way on shore and get help for the poor fellows i will follow as fast as i can no no answered tom i am not going to desert you come rest your head on my chest it will help you wonderfully just consider me a piece of cork you know i float like one only keep your legs kicking and your arms moving smartly tom did not tell archy why he gave this advice but he knew very well that if they were to remain quiet for an instant the cowardly sharks would make a dart at them and that only by splashing vigorously could they keep off the monsters he himself did so with his legs and one hand while he placed the other under his friend's back archy felt his strength much restored after this rest and declared himself ready to go on again on they went once more though they were certain that they had made good way still the shore appeared fearfully far off as they gazed at it with eyes growing somewhat dim from fatigue archy exerted himself more than he would before have considered possible but once more a faintness came over him oh tom i am sinking don't wait for me you will soon reach the shore now he cried out tom however approaching with a couple of strokes seized him and once more placed his head on his chest striking furiously with his own feet for the instant before he had seen another shark and the monster seemed eyeing him as if about to make a grab at his arms and legs keep your feet kicking out as i told you before he exclaimed you will not sink and it will keep them from getting the cramp kick archy kick archy could with difficulty do so still he felt a great relief to his arms and suddenly his strength again seemed to return i will go on now he said turning once more round and he and tom swam on together as before with their eyes fixed on the shore each time that archy felt faint he was aroused by tom's encouraging cries and nerved himself to fresh exertions how anxiously they strained their eyes ahead 
the shore grew more and more distinct and yet it seemed a long way off at length they could distinguish the sandy beach and the green herbage beyond again archy's strength began to fail him near as was the shore he felt that he might not after all be able to reach it his sensations were those of a person in a dreadful dream even tom began to feel his strength almost exhausted archy once more cried out that he was sinking that moment tom felt his feet touch something a horror for an instant seized him it might be the back of a shark still on he struck towing archy again his feet touched something below him it did not yield he tried again yes he was sure it was firm ground hurrah archy we are on shore at last he cried out let your feet fall and you will find i am right thank god answered archy as his feet also touched the sand happily the sea was smooth and there was no outdrift even then archy felt that he could scarcely reach the beach tom gave him his hand exclaiming come on we have not far to go now at all events they waded on gradually the water shoaled as they made their way up the shelving sand tom felt his strength returning but archy could with difficulty make headway now the water reached only to their middles now it was scarcely knee-deep and they were able to get on faster tom breathed more freely for he expected to see archy drop every instant scarcely indeed had they reached the dry sand than down he sank tom threw himself by his side cheer up archy we are safe he exclaimed don't give way now i shall be better soon said archy but oh tom let us return thanks to him who has preserved us don't let us fancy it was our own strength i never otherwise could have done it i know i am thankful indeed i am but we must not forget our companions go and try to get a boat and put off to them i will follow you as soon as i am able to it was already dusk and the gloom was increased by thick clouds gathering in the sky betokening a blowing night tom saw indeed that no time was to be lost and finding that archy could not yet move he unwillingly left him and hurried off to obtain assistance we must now return on board the plantagenet when mr cherry found that the boat did not make her appearance as it was long past the time the midshipmen promised to be back he felt somewhat annoyed and made up his mind that the next time they asked for the boat they should not have her he was walking the deck when the quartermaster announced that a boat had come off from the shore with a black in her who had something to say about a pinnace but what it was he could not exactly make out let him come on deck at once said mr cherry hurrying to the gangway what is it you have to say my man he asked the negro doffed his hat twisting and wriggling about apparently either from nervousness at finding himself on board a man-of-war or from his anxiety to deliver his message properly mr cherry however managed to make out that a boat had been capsized that two midshipmen had swum on shore and that they had gone off again in two boats to search for the wreck just then jack and terence who had been on shore returned and on cross-questioning the black they felt satisfied that tom and archie gordon were the two midshipmen who had reached the shore and that those remaining on the wreck 
were in extreme peril the report of what had happened quickly spread through the ship and every one felt anxious about their shipmates four boats were immediately manned jack and terence each taking command of one higson going in a third and mr scrofton having charge of the fourth the first ready having called alongside the tutor to give the information two of her boats were immediately dispatched to aid in the search the weather in the meantime as night advanced grew worse and worse down came a deluge of rain while vivid lightning darted from the sky the wind too had been rising and as they got outside the harbour they found a considerable sea running each officer was to take the direction he judged best before shoving off the boatswain got the black who brought the information into his boat and pumping him learnt exactly whereabouts the pinnace had capsized while he also ascertained the direction in which the current ran it might seem an easy thing to fall in with a boat which had capsized scarcely a mile off but some hours had elapsed since the accident had occurred and during all that time she must have drifted for a considerable distance the direction in which she had gone also could be calculated only by those who knew exactly the set and rate of the current jack and terence went away fully believing that they should before long fall in with the wreck their only fear was that those left on it might have been washed off or succumbing to fatigue have dropped into the water the thunder rattled and the lightning flashed overhead between the intervals they often fancied they could hear the voices of their shipmates hailing them sometimes too through the gloom they imagined that they could see the boat on her side with a few still clinging to her but when they got up to the spot she was not there though terence hoped to find all the party he naturally felt most anxious on account of gerald desmond i ought to have thought of the risks he would have had to run he said to himself to be sure i got into a good many scrapes and tumbled out of them and i hope he may i cannot bear the thoughts of having to write to my poor sister and to tell her that her boy is lost still the boats continued searching in every direction the wind blowing fresh and the foaming seas hissing round them there was little hope indeed that they should find those they were looking for though the boat herself might by chance be fallen in with some time or other mr scrofton meantime who though a bad philosopher was a thorough seaman had run down at about the distance from the shore he understood the pinnace had been when capsized he had however passed the spot according to his calculations some way no sign of the wreck having been seen when a hail was heard there they are hurrah cried some of the men no no that came from a boat i see her what boat is that asked mr scrofton a shore boat and i am tom rogers was the answer the boats were soon alongside each other tom said that as soon as he could procure a boat he had shoved off and that archie gordon had done the same he was at no great distance in another boat you don't expect to find her hereabouts said mr scrofton she will have been carried according to my calculation for or it may be five miles more to the southward by this time and it will take us the best part of an hour before we are up to her my plan is to run down that distance or more than that and then to beat back 
it's better to go rather beyond her than a little short and if she is still floating we shall fall in with her tom saw the wisdom of this plan and the two boats stood on in company a bright lookout being kept on either side they had run on for some time when tom thought that they must have gone far enough but the boatswain persevered tom's boat being manned by blacks he had nothing to do but look out fully half an hour had passed when he thought he saw an object ahead he hailed mr scrofton's boat all right was the answer i see her let go the halyards cried the boatswain and the sails were lowered but as they approached great was tom's sorrow to see only five people clinging to the boat mr houghton and lieutenant jennings were among them but he could not distinguish gerald desmond poor fellow he must have gone he murmured where are the rest asked mr scrofton as the boat ran alongside and eager hands were stretched out to lift the sufferers on board for they could with difficulty help themselves we are glad to see you though they had not left us five minutes before we saw you answered mr jennings they cannot as yet be many hundred yards off tom immediately pulled away towards the shore in the direction the swimmers must have taken he knew that though the time was short they might have all sunk or that the ravenous sharks might have got hold of them nothing but despair indeed would have induced them to make the attempt great was his relief on seeing at length four heads above the surface with their faces directed landward so intent were they indeed that they were not aware of his approach each one had lashed himself to an oar with the faint hope though they had but little notion of swimming of gaining the shore tom's shout was the first intimation they had of his escape for they all had given him and archy up as lost desmond was the first helped on board and great was their delight at meeting highly satisfied with the success of his expedition mr scrofton received all the party on board promising the blacks in the shore boat a further reward if they would tow the pinnace towards the shore he then with the rescued party made the best of his way back to the ship happily soon afterwards falling in with archy gordon whose boat while he was taken on board was sent to assist the other shore boat captain hemming who felt very anxious on their account was too glad to get them back to find fault tom and archy received the praise which was their due for their gallant act while mr scrofton was properly complimented by the captain for his sagacity and judgment and the midshipmen resolved never more to attempt to quiz him about his philosophical notions jack and terence did not get back till daylight when they found that tom and gerald had been snug in their hammocks for several hours they felt somewhat inclined to quarrel with them for the trouble they had given though in reality heartily thankful that they had escaped End of section six.